Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Best Fit Body Podcast. I am Elle, and I am one of your hosts today, and I have with me Jules, my lovely co-host, and sorry about the dog. We're dog-friendly over here. We are going to be talking today all about macros. We're going to be talking about what a macro is, what are the macronutrients, I use right away, I'm using macros, and some of you may not even know what that means. So, macros are short for macronutrients, and it is the number one way that we have been basing our business, our team, and our nutritional protocols off of for the past, what, six years now? So, we stand true to this, and we just want to do a basic educational podcast to explain macros to you if you have no idea what they are. And luckily, Jules is, I would say, quite the expert with macros. She worked in a clinical setting for how many years? Gosh, I'd have to go and count, I guess I haven't thought about. But not only in the clinical, I think clinical was five years. And then from there, after being in a hospital for a while as a dietitian, moved on to other aspects of nutrition education. Right. So when you were in the hospital, what type of work were you doing? I want to start off and talk about that right away. Yeah. So tell it all. Well, great. No, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take you back a little further. And hi, everybody. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. So if you guys don't know me, I am Jules. Everybody knows me as Coach Jules. I am Elle's mom and her business partner and owner of Team Best Fit Body. But I want to give some history because it is interesting when, you know, nowadays people talk about macronutrients and, you know, as I'll mention, some people know about them, some people don't know about them. But I thought it'd be kind of cool for you guys to have a little bit of history on the concept of macros from my perspective, going back to the late 70s. I have my undergraduate degree in nutrition sciences and my master's in clinical dietetics and nutrition. And in the early, and it was the mid 70s, you know, and before that, we were learning more and more about nutrients. We were learning more and more about food processing and the contribution of those specific items in food, both naturally occurring and man-made, and the effect that all of those chemicals have on the human body. We also were starting to learn a lot about what the human body's needs were, both in health and in sickness nutritionally. So when I was in college, we often would have to study foods because like I said, my degree was technically nutritional sciences and food and nutritional sciences. So we studied the component, the physical components of nutrition and what made up a balanced diet for a healthy as well as sick individual. And the common breakdown that we talk about macronutrients now, we also used that word macronutrient back then and before even then, and they are primarily the calorie providing components of food. And that's protein, carbohydrates, and fats. And so at the time, we would have to study what the different foods were and how to make up diets for people nutritionally. And I use the word diet everybody is on a diet. Okay. So that just means that it is not necessarily dieting for loss or dieting for weight gain, but it is what you consume is your diet. So we would have to look up all of the nutritional components of foods from this very big blue book that was put out by the 
drug administration that literally I still have my my <laughs> I should take a picture of it and post it on social no media. Way. I do or somewhere I have in it, have it was basically the annual report of foods and so that all foods right, that, that was were, updated was it updated yearly it was updated yearly and then they would send out supplements as the books right grew. that's crazy you think about like the food database that's on the internet that can be edited at any point and it's like they had to edit it with the supplements when they would mail stuff out or send stuff out. Crazy. Exactly. And so, you know, you could subscribe to the service that you would just get them or buy them. Or if you were at a university, they would be in the library. And yeah, yeah, we, we literally would take nutrition histories of people sitting down and asking them what they ate and use little plastic food models and say, well, does it look like this? Or does it look like this? No joke. We had those little plastic food models and people would say, oh, it was bigger or it was smaller. And we would put down portion sizes based on that. Then we would take our notebooks and we would add everything up in a sort of manual spreadsheet that often, you know, we look at and see as like Excel spreadsheets. And then we would tabulate it and say, okay, this is what this person's intake was, or this is what we are trying to fit for a person's nutritional goals. And so, you know, moving on from college, I went into graduate school, and then I went on to be a clinical dietitian. And my first job out of graduate school, I was actually the dietitian for, I laughed about it, and I jokingly would say, I was the dietitian for all the people who couldn't eat. So I was involved with the trauma care, intensive care, coronary care units of a hospital, Jamaica Hospital in Queens. And we were a very, very large trauma care service. We had a lot of healthy people would come in with trauma, accident victims, gunshot victims, who we would have to figure out their nutrition needs, write a formula based on what those needs were and submit it to the pharmacy. And the pharmacy then would literally go and mix their feeding tube solutions or their IV, which is called TPN solutions. And then we would balance it out as they recovered and moved hopefully on to weaning off of those nutrition supports. Eating real food, right? We had to balance their, you know, their nutrition over, you know, trauma because they would be, you know, getting over surgery or the trauma to it. So often, you know, people would be healthy, but with the trauma, so you've got to deal with those disease states. But I also worked with a lot of people who couldn't eat because of illnesses. And so again, you know, going through treatments and feeding tubes through the stomach, through the all sorts of different ways, through IVs, through the directly into intestinal walls for some people who lost use of their stomachs. So, you know, this was, like I said, many, many years ago, but we would have to figure out what their nutrition needs were for survival. And then, like I said, to move on. So when I left the hospital and started to work in private practice, I was hired as a dietitian with a physician group. And we would counsel people teaching them about nutrition. The concept of macronutrients is still very cumbersome for people to manage. So we would take the diet histories, we would calculate it all out by hand, and then come up with the recommendations for the changes that you would need to eat. Oh, you need to eat, you know, X number of ounces more of, you know, protein foods, or if you needed this or that. So, you know, moving into more general education. And a lot of people way back then, again, didn't have access to this information. So we often just guided them with calories um, because calorie counting on labels was starting to really show. Then as more and more demand from consumers to have more labeling information, more information about 
the macronutrients as well as multiple other vitamins and minerals you see on nutrition labels started sprouting up. And so then we could guide people and say, you know what, go look for foods that are a little bit higher in protein or foods that are a little higher in fat and things like that. So over time, it just made logical sense with the computers and the software programs. And now we have these amazing apps that literally you can scan, you know, the labels and it goes right into, you can manipulate the portion sizes right in there. I can tell you it has made my life as (laughs) so much easier because I can talk about more topics than just, you know, protein, carbohydrates, and fats with people, I can talk about sources and how to maybe look at some foods in a different way for different properties. Yeah. And you even take it, you know, that step further to work with the elite athletes, getting them conditioned and ready for the stage. And so your knowledge of just in general macronutrients and then, you know, all your experience Mm -hmm. with it, allows you to manipulate those macros in order to get the physical results that people want and need. And it really is all just an understanding and then a manipulation of the, you know, under the umbrella of calories. Yes. And one other thing I also want to add, with years passing, the knowledge we have now as people in the nutrition field and educated people and people with real solid, you know, education versus somebody who's just taking a continuing education course through their, you know, personal training course that gives an overview, which is great, being able to really dig deeper into how much more we know now how the human body works. And especially in relationship to healthy people who want to take themselves to the next level with their nutrition, the demand for more education is there, people are more knowledgeable. And it's with the same thing with the macros, it just expands, the more information that we want, the more research is going to be done, and it becomes a cycle. So it gets very exciting, because we can learn so much more about what makes humans work, but also specifically individuals. And that's what I love about the macros and using them is we can really delve into what makes you as an individual tick and maybe start with a generalization, but really dig a lot deeper than, you know, oh, I'm a bodybuilder. I need a lot of protein. Well, there's a lot more to it, you know? So Yeah, that was amazing. So I always love hearing those stories because you always tell it a little differently. And I learned something new because, I mean, that's many, many years packed into, you know, (laughs) 10 minutes of discussion. So people ask me about a question. I'm like, do you have 35 years for me to tell you? So no, I'm real. Yeah. And so I just, I always find Joel so amazing and so full of knowledge. And she just, I don't even know what to say. I just think it's great. So let's dive in and talk directly to someone who's listening to this that wants to lose some weight. And they have tried, you know, eating healthy, like they eat healthy, they watch their portion sizes, you know, they exercise a couple days a week, but mostly like, you know, walking or like riding a bike once a week or maybe sometimes going to the gym, like explain to them what macros are and help them understand a little bit further what types of things that they can do to manipulate their physique and maybe achieve that fat loss, weight loss that they're looking for. That's great. That's great. That's a very, very big question. So I'm going to break it down. Yeah, break it down. 
Yeah, I'm going to break it down so that I think a lot of people who are listening can kind of relate to this. So when somebody starts out or gets inspired and they have a goal and we'll use the goal of the weight loss, you know, often they start to look at, well, what, you know, obviously energy out and energy in, we know that equation and that's going to have an effect on weight maintenance if you're pretty much on the equal. And if it's skewed one way or another, it's either you're going to lose weight or gain weight. So it's quick. Like, can you break that down a little bit more? The energy balance? Go into that a little bit more? Yeah, break that down first. Because if someone is a little bit unsure of their calorie intake, they also may not know what a deficit is or what you know a surplus is. Exactly. No, great. So I want you to think about a seesaw. We all know what a seesaw looks like, right? And where you are right now is standing right in the middle of that seesaw. So if you walk to one side, you know, the other side's going to flip up. You walk to the other side, the other side's going to flip up. So if you look at needing to lose weight from where you are, you're going to have to walk over to the calorie deficit side, okay? And then that's going to drop down and you're going to get some weight loss. If you walk over to the calorie surplus side, you're going to gain weight. Okay. If you're in between, then you're going to be exactly where you are. That just pretty much means that to be in a deficit, you have to consume fewer calories than it takes to support your current body mass, just how much you physically weigh, than you're expending in that particular day or over a course of period of time. I'm not even going to say just one day. Yeah. Sometimes it's better to look at week to week to week because if someone's like, oh, hey, I was in a calorie deficit on Thursday, but like I didn't see any weight loss. It's like, okay, well, what about the average of all the other days? Exactly. And all of this is a continuum of time. So the time factor is going to go on no matter what you do. But if you're in a caloric deficit over a period of time, then you will lose body mass. Now, how much body mass will be dependent upon how much of a deficit you're in. And if you're in the caloric surplus over a period of time, again, depends on how long and how much of that. So your energy intake and energy out is going to be about the same if you're going to maintain where you are. So if you're happy where you are, then, you know, your energy intake and energy expenditure are probably pretty even, you know, but if you feel like you've been on a trend of losing weight, you're probably in a trend of being in a deficit. Now you could consume straight across the board, the same amount of calories. That's what you're eating and expend a ton of energy out and you would be in a deficit potentially the same way, the other way around. If you're doing no exercise, and eating a lot of food. So, so you can, a surplus, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping you're getting this little visual of where you're going to be. I see the seesaw. I see it. I see when you walk to one side or the other. Yeah. And this is also good to think about. Now, if you're, again, this visual really helps you understand even the continuum of time. So if you are in the middle and you decide you need to go to the caloric deficit side and you run to the end of the seesaw, you know, you're going to get there fast, right? And the other side's going to flip up. If you decide you're going to go to the caloric deficit side, but you're inching your way. You are tiptoeing. It's going to take a tipping point before you notice the change. Okay. It's not going to be, you know, that first step out. It might not change until you go further out. So hopefully that helps you understand sort of that seesaw of, you know, energy in, energy out, expenditure. Absolutely. And so for a lot of people, especially if you're kind of haphazard about 
what you eat. You kind of just eat as you go. You don't really have any idea of what you're eating. Maybe you're eating fast food a couple times a week, uh, high calorie dense foods. You may actually just see some fat loss or weight loss, or I guess body mass loss. We'll talk um, a little bit more in specifics a little bit later about maintaining lean muscle mass and just losing fat in a little bit. But just the basics, you may simply see changes just by switching over to healthier choices. And so not everybody needs to jump into tracking macronutrients or calories right away, especially if someone is extremely overweight and has a very poor diet. Oftentimes, people that just switch over to eating a little bit more healthfully, you know, having a salad instead of French fries, you know, every day or every other day, that will allow you to see some of that loss initially. Yes, yes. And I think you're heading to a point that I was about to lasso back into it is when you are striving to make a change, and you're looking at nutrition being part of which it should be part of the change factors, you know, the first thing is to get an idea of what you're actually consuming. Many times people don't really have a really good idea of how much food they're consuming in the course of a day. So that was always the first thing we would have people do is start jotting down and making a little food journal. So if you do, um, if you are listening to this and you think, well, I want to get started on understanding my macros, I want to understand maybe a little bit more about what I'm doing and maybe why I am not where I want to be. The first step is to just actually write down everything that you eat and drink in a day, usually sometimes over a course of a few days, because many times People will have you know, their Monday through Friday food intake, but their Saturday and Sunday food takes are very different. So just having an idea of like, what am I actually eating? You know, and you can do the same thing with the exercise part. Like, how much am I actually getting out and walking around? And I think these days, a lot of people are using a lot of these step trackers or activity trackers, whether it's a Fitbit or a Garmin, an Apple Watch or an iPhone, that you get an idea of what your daily activity is. So then you can step back and say, well, you know, what am I doing here that I need to change? And usually that's where people say, well, I can easily increase my activity, but the food is a little bit more of a challenge. Oh, the food is always a little bit more of the challenge. And that's why we wanted to talk about this today, because most people that we work with and we talk to, hey, the workouts are really no problem. The workouts aren't the issue. It's the food. Absolutely. And so I usually tell people when you are first starting to look at what it is that you might need to change, just really be honest with yourself. Take a piece of paper. Yes, good old fashioned piece of paper, a little note, spiral notebook, a tiny one you can put in your purse or in your bag or in your car or on your desk. And you literally just write down what it is. You can open notes on your phone. But you know, First thing is being aware of your food choices. The next thing is actually portions. Because when we talk about food intake, it is not only what you choose, but how much you choose is going to have an effect on your physique, your physical well-being. So sometimes people say, oh, you know, I've decided to work on my nutrition. So I've eliminated all white flour or all gluten foods you know, I'm going to go gluten-free, but then they don't really look at the fact that they may be consuming lots of other foods and how much. So the portion part of it, and I refer back to, and sometimes I do wish I still had all those little plastic food models because a lot of people have no clue on that, on how much to eat. So 
when you decide that you're actually going to jump on um, the bandwagon, which I'm a big fan of the bandwagon of tracking your food so you know where you're going. It's like a map. You know, if you have a goal and you need to have a plan how to get to the goal, then tracking your macros is going to be part of the plan. I always use the analogy that, yeah, you could probably get from point A to point B blindfolded. You could, but it's really not the most practical way. It's not the easiest way. It's going to take a lot longer. It's going to be really frustrating and you may end up retracing steps and really not going anywhere for a while. And that's the same thing as it is for tracking macros and weight loss or weight gain. Yes. Whichever goal is. It's if you go in blindly, it's gonna be frustrating. It's gonna take a, a hell of a lot longer than if you were to just take that small amount of time to track and record your food. Exactly. So now I'm gonna take a little bit of a sidestep, a sidebar to talk a little bit about what are macros so that those people listening who don't really know what the, you know, Ellen did say macronutrients, but, and I did make a reference to the protein, the carbohydrates and fat. And those are the ones, as I mentioned earlier, the components that make up the foods that we eat, the nutritional components that provide calories. And there's also another one I'll get to in a second, and that's alcohol. But when we look at what a calorie is, a calorie is actually scientifically the amount of energy needed to raise a certain amount of water, one degree, and I think it's Celsius. My brain is not remembering and uh, <laughs> that mathematical formula, but just get the idea that, you know, for something to emit one calorie, that's the amount of energy, you know, that it's putting out to raise of that food, you know, that degree. So you have to visualize that this is actually food being broken down or burned, if you want to say it that way. And proteins and carbohydrates per gram, which is the weight of those items, gives four calories, kilocalories, the amount of energy, okay? That same amount of weight, one gram in fat, gives nine. So it's a little more than two times the amount of energy. So that's why fat is a very concentrated source of energy. Carbohydrates and fats both provide the same amount of energy, gram for gram weight, but they provide different functions in the body. And so your nutritional needs based on macros is going to vary on a whole bunch of different things. So a lot of times people say, well, what should my macros be? And, you know, you can go ahead and look up macro calculators online, but they assume a lot of things. They just assume your physical state and maybe some parameters of your energy expenditure, maybe what some of your goals are, but also it doesn't take into account other things that I guess I can say I've learned over time working with people. I know that certain people who have certain activities and lifestyles will often demand different ratios of proteins, carbohydrates, and fat. And there isn't one ratio that's right for everybody. So a lot of times people will start on a macronutrient ratio, proteins, carbohydrates, and fats as a goal, and they'll move along great on it for a while. They'll feel great. Maybe if their goal was to lose weight, they've lost weight. And maybe they've been really consistent, but suddenly change stops. And what happens is people get frustrated. Then they all say, oh, I'm not making any progress and start to self-sabotage. But what they haven't really realized is that likely 
you're physically a different person now that if you've been following these macros for a while, maybe you've lost weight, maybe you've increased your fitness level. So maybe your macronutrient needs are different now. And so that can get very confusing for people. You know, in nature, if we were all out there, you know, surviving on being hunters and gatherers, we wouldn't worry about what our macronutrients were. We would just eat what was available and eat until we were full and not even think about that. But because we use nutrition for so many things that we want for our bodies to do, then it becomes fairly complicated. One last little touch on the one food, uh, I don't even want to call it food because it's not a food, one calorie contributing consumable, I'll call it. And I I don't consider it a macronutrient because it doesn't provide anything but energy and that's alcohol. There are no, you know, it doesn't give you proteins. It doesn't really give you carbs or fat. It's because your body does not process it in the same way. It does, it's not a um, carrier of you know, hormone precursors or doesn't give you anything but a good time. And absolutely. So, you know, this is my whole point is that you can make a choice to have it, but also realize that if you are tracking your macros to change your physique, you have to treat alcohol respectfully. Yeah, I was gonna say you didn't even introduce what it is. So it is alcohol. That is Oh, I said alcohol. Yes, but thank you for Did you? Yes, but She was all excited thinking about, you know, when is she going to talk about the alcohol? No, but it is one of those questions. And I think that different, you know, nutrition professionals may approach it differently. But my feeling about alcohol is that it's a fun thing. It's an extra thing for sure. It provides calories. And if you can assume it into your goal, then it's perfectly fine. But your body does not metabolize it and it should not be treated in the same way as a macronutrient. So I don't usually encourage people to swap out their alcohol macros for proteins or carbs or fat, just because then you're going to lose some valuable nutrition from not eating those other foods. But on occasion, it is perfectly oh, fine. You know, it's- Absolutely. Absolutely. And for sure, it's just like saying, you know, ice cream is a mixed food, you know, a combination food, a fun food, it's got sugar in it, it's got fat in it. But you know, ice cream sure tastes good. And there's time and a place for it. (laughs) Well, and that's why with tracking macros, it does allow for that moderation piece, that aspect that you can enjoy some fun foods, but by tracking macros to reach your goals, by tracking your carbs, protein, fat, and occasionally alcohol, you are able to have a mix of the healthy foods that are going to fit into your macros because likely the healthier options are going to help you reach your macro goals more easily. But it doesn't mean that every once in a while you can't fit in that, you know, a couple pieces of chocolate at night or maybe some ice cream, even like the full fat ice cream if you've allotted for it in your day. So the tracking of the macros does allow you to have flexibility in your life when maybe you were someone that jumped from, you know, fad diet to fad diet, whether it was keto or paleo or what else is there? Like Uh, just low carb or... Yeah, Whole30 and all that. And I do think that, you know, I totally support when we have clients that come in and they say, hey, listen, I really do like this Whole30 approach. I find that I don't love to incorporate lots of the grains and the sugars because I feel better. And I always say, okay, great. That's fine. You don't have to necessarily eat bread, but know that you can if you'd like to fit it into your macros. 
Exactly. And that really is the biggest reason why I like the macros is because you do look at the foods from those components, but then you look at moderation and balance. And we get a lot of people who do come to us who have been on that jumping from one diet to another diet. When what I look at it is, you know, we all, like I said before, we all have our diet, but how you can live with a nutrition approach that can be changeable based on your goals, but it also allows you the ability to say, no foods are off limits unless I choose not to have them, or I don't like them, or if I don't tolerate them, I'm not forced to have them, but I have other choices. And in, you know, it's not like we have a limited food supply. We've got an amazing food supply. We're so lucky, but there's a lot of abuse of food versus making choices based on what is this food going to do for me? Is it going to fuel my body? Is it going to fuel my mind? Is it going to do a little bit of both, which I hope that everybody has a little bit of that every day. So having the ability to be flexible and say, if you want to follow, well, I won't talk about keto that way, but I was just going to talk about keto. we'll, We'll talk about keto in a second, but in something like, you know, paleo, if that's a philosophy or veganism, if that's a philosophy, I totally respect food philosophy as well as People saying, you know, when I eat that, I just don't feel good. Or, you know, I've been told not to eat this because maybe you have a medication interaction. You know, I mean, believe it or not, there's a lot of that out there too. Right. So before we jump into talking about keto, I know that we are going to get several questions on how to calculate your macros and how to find the macro ratio that's appropriate for you. And if you are a beginner, I would recommend contacting a coach. Jules is a great resource for that if you haven't figured that out through the last 30 minutes of this. But having someone who is very knowledgeable in the calculation of macros where they get to know you, you know, you tell them everything that you, your dieting history, what you currently do for nutrition, where you're lacking uh, and where you'd like to go. That's probably the best way to get the proper macronutrient ratio and calorie intake for your goals. Now, as Jill said before, there are probably hundreds of macro calculators out there but they don't take into account everything that you need to know. So if you were to use a macro calculator or even contact a coach, the biggest thing is the consistency on the macro nutrients that have been set for you. And it only takes a bit of trial and error. And the trial is sticking to the macronutrients to see if they're appropriate for you. No, that's great. And one of the things that a lot of times people do get overwhelmed with is, and tracking becomes one of those things that they feel is like, oh my gosh, it's such a big deal, is really literally just kind of getting in a habit of entering the food as you eat for the first couple of days to get an idea of what you're eating, and then stepping back and saying, oh, okay, this is what I ate this day, and then my goal is this, so how do I change what either I'm picking to eat to meet my goals better, or how am I taking my current food and just adjusting the portions so I fit that goal. And I think if you look at it that way, you can easily kind of get a good flow into it. For people who have been used to or feel that they can't 
stick with a plan unless they have something like a meal plan. I tell people the best meal plan you have is the one you're currently doing, but we step back and say, what foods maybe can we swap to give you a more nutrient-dense choice? Or what foods can we adjust the portion to fit into what your ultimate goals are? And so when you kind of step back and go, wow, that's pretty easy. Those are two things that I can take my time to do. It does take time. It is a learning process. But if you're going to go ahead and learn about macros and learn how to look at foods from that perspective, you will be amazed at how, I'm going to say, liberating it feels. A lot of times people say, oh my gosh, I never feel like I'm on a diet. I feel very satisfied because I have the freedom of control and choice. And most times people get frustrated when they have the freedom of choice. Right. And that usually is where that self-sabotage piece comes in, where they feel so restricted. And then, you know, their friend invites them out for a dinner on Saturday night and they've been restricting all week, all week for weeks and weeks. And then they don't know how to control themselves when they do go out, you know, with their friend and all their friends are ordering burgers and they want one too. But when you are tracking macros, you can figure out a way to make that work. Even if it's something like, your calories are a tad lower five days out of the week and two days out of the week, they're a little bit higher. So you can go, you know, maybe on a Saturday you sleep in and you have more food later on in the day. So you can go out and have that burger and maybe even a dessert afterwards. But at the end of the week, you're still in that proper calorie range that you need to be in order to reach your goal, whether it is fat loss or it is weight gain, or even if it is just maintenance. Exactly. You know, it was interesting because I've been doing a lot of thinking about why sometimes people kind of stuck or frustrated. And a lot of it comes down to almost being kind of fatigued of sticking with something. So people will say, well, I've lost my determination. I've lost my motivation. And a lot of times it's just you're tired. Maybe you're tired of being deprived. And this is where a lot of times people will say, you know, I'm really great for maybe a week or two or three or four. And then all of a sudden something happens and I kind of snap with the nutrition and, you know, they drive by, you know, their favorite fast food place. And before you know it, they're driving through the Burger King or Wendy's or whatever it is and loading up on stuff. When it really, you know, and they're like, oh, I don't have any discipline. I don't have any, you know, self-control. A lot of times it just comes to me down to maybe you've just been depriving yourself too much and you are not living something that's sensible for you. So taking a step back and I say, this is when we look at the food choices. And when was the last time you said, hey, you know, it's okay to have that burger out with your friends. Yeah. Or even, you know, going back, even some alcohol. And so the whole, you know, truth of, we haven't even brought this, I guess, name up, but with macronutrients, it kind of coincides a little bit with something called flexible dieting or if it fits your macros. And so I know that when we first started our business in 2013, this whole IIFYM, if it fits your macros and flexible dieting term really got crazy. And especially on social media, which is, you know, where I spent the majority of my time and where I connected with a lot of people that were transitioning from that clean eating mindset. Because I do think that the, you know, 2010-ish, that's when all this clean eating phase kind of came out and it was like, well, don't eat processed stuff. Only, you know, shop the perimeters of the grocery store. Don't buy anything that's processed. You know, use your no salt seasonings and all that. And if it fits your macros, which 
probably has been going on for years and years, all the way back, especially into the 70s. But it's when it kind of became, I want to say, pretty popular with the population of people that were into fitness or just looking to lose weight. And so once they found that they could track macros and they didn't have to only eat clean and they didn't have to be miserable. It was liberating and it was a big shift and a big change. But the flexible dieting, I think in like the Instagram world showed a lot of people, you know, enjoying pop tarts and enjoying some of these overly processed foods. And just because it fit their macros, it meant that it was okay. And so obviously And I think there's been like documentaries and books and things out there where researchers or just, you know, fitness professionals have tried eating nothing but fast food for a year and still losing weight. That is that concept of that extreme flexible dieting or that extreme if it fits your macros. Yes, you can see results from just eating fast food, you know, every day for a year while fitting it into your macronutrients. But it's not necessarily the best way. So what we like to do is we like, I guess we call it flexible nutrition, would you say? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So where we have... Everybody thinks diet means... Yeah. Right, right. And as we go back, diet just means what you eat. (laughs) It doesn't need to mean anything else. But with this concept, we like to, you know, when we educate people on flexible nutrition, there's this combination of something that we call at Team Best with Body Foundation Foods. And then we also have a fun foods category. And by mixing the two of those, you're able to sustain a lifestyle that maybe does include fast food every once in a while. But for the majority of the time, and all the other times that you're cooking food at home, you're finding maybe you are shopping in the perimeter of the grocery store. Maybe you are, you know, choosing veggies versus potatoes or having like a mix of both when you make dinner for your family. So it's not just about fitting things into your macros and seeing how many donuts you can eat, you know, every Sunday and still see weight loss. It's about fueling your body, but also allowing for those treats and those things that you like to enjoy as a whole. Yes. And going back to your comment, there was actually, I believe it was a doctor who ate nothing but hot dogs for a period of time. That's crazy. It was a hot dog diet and he lost weight. And the whole point was that he was in a calorie deficit. Was he nutritionally compromised? Probably, you know, Probably. unless you take a multivitamin or something to round it out. But that's where I do think a lot of times when people will look to changing their health and fitness, especially with the then you have to think about it's not only calories, you know, it's like, are you making sure that you are getting enough of the macronutrient ratios based on where you are? For example, myself now in my late 50s, I know that I actually have more protein needs now as I get older to maintain my muscle mass than I did younger. And this is very important for me to pay attention to now at this phase of my life. You know, for younger women, a lot of women don't understand, you know, they try to restrict a lot of the carbs and fats to lose weight, but those contain essential nutrients that your body needs to maintain your health at that phase of your life. 
So it goes way deeper than just, oh, I want to eat this now, which we take on that sort of emotional level or that hunger level to, well, do I really want to make my food choices to help my body where it is now along the path of where I'm going? And that's really where, again, looping back to the concept of tracking macros, recording what you're eating is the best way for you to be um, reflective or circumspective over what you're actually doing. And if you're feeling great and your body is like performing really at what you would feel like your peak capacity, then, you know, you're probably doing okay. But if you think that maybe you do need to step back and look at what you're doing, just the only way you're going to know is to record it. It's like a diary. Um, Your body will show to some degree what's going on. But like the hot dog diet, you know, that person eating nothing but hot dogs and losing weight tells me nothing, but that person was in a caloric deficit. So looking at it and saying, you know, maybe I need to make sure my other nutrients are falling in line. And that again, you know, working with somebody who can go a little bit deeper and can look at your food logs and say, hey, you know what, I'm not seeing great sources of vitamin C, or, you know, we need to make sure we round out some of those B vitamins and from the different foods. So when people start to eliminate categories of foods, this is when we run into more issues of, maybe you are being at risk for being in a nutritional deficit for something beside calories, which is important. Yeah. And how gross is that to eat hot dogs every day (laughs) for a year? Like I can't even imagine eating like hot dogs like two days in a row or like at all. I I think my brother ate a hot dog every day for probably about six years of his life as a young kid. That's so gross. (laughs) I'm not sure to sneak vegetables in there every once in a while. We'll find that article and put it in the description box because that's hilarious. And it probably will teach you a lot. I don't know whether it's an article or a full book or something like that, but we'll find it. About the hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. It was, and this was like a long, long time ago. So the last thing that I do want to touch on is sugar and fiber. So Oftentimes, when people ask about macros or start tracking their macros, they're asking, okay, well, what's the appropriate sugar that I should be consuming every day? Because a lot of times people are taught that, you know, sugar is bad and sugar is the reason why, you know, we're all gaining weight. And among all the other things, that's probably one of the biggest questions. And so, Jules, why don't you break down your views on sugar, but also your views on fiber? Yeah, no, this is that's great. I'm glad you presented it that way. And a lot of this, when you think about sugars and fiber, they're components of carbohydrates. And we've lived in a world very, very fearful of carbohydrates. I think it's kind of goes two ways. There are people that it's like, you know, carbs after dark, don't do and carbs after dark, bring it on. We always joke about that. But you know, carbohydrates are essential for so many aspects of your body's metabolism. When you do not provide sources of carbohydrates, your body starts to break down components in your body for the carbohydrate which is really where- Such as muscle. (laughs) Muscle, yeah, absolutely. And that's really where that sort of keto diet comes down to is that the concept is the carbohydrate intake is so low that your body 
has to shift into utilizing fats as a source of carbohydrate. It's very inefficient. And there's a lot of waste products that are produced in the body when you break down fats for carbohydrates, because your brain only works on um, glucose, which is a carbohydrate. So if you don't have some form of constant carbohydrate in your system, you won't be able to form glucose and your brain will stop working. (laughs) Well, you know, but pretty much. So, you know, if you're going to think you're going to need to have glucose floating around in your body. And you real quick, though, even you do hear a lot about people that do start keto and they say, oh, it's going to be about two weeks. You're going to feel like your brain is really foggy and you're going to be exhausted. But once you get through that, you'll be okay. And it's like, that's not a good thing for you to be putting your body through. It's not. Depriving it's, it of glucose. Exactly. It's actually a survival mechanism for humans if we were out in the wild and there were no sources of carbohydrates. But we're not. But we're oh not. That's right. <laughs> we're not. And so what you have to go through is this system called ketosis where you break down that. And like I said, your body does adjust to it, but at great cost. And as soon as you increase your carbohydrate intake, and it doesn't take a lot, then what happens is you shift out of the ketosis, and your body just sort of goes into a sort of a freaky adjustment phase. So taking those wild swings, and I'm not talking about one day that you just didn't eat any carbs, you would just probably feel very funky. But it's just over the course of period of time. Now, the reason why people do lose weight on keto diets is because you're in a caloric deficit because it's gets really, really hard to just eat nothing but protein and fat. Yeah. It's just not sustainable whatsoever. And so that's why we're big supporters of tracking macros and tracking your calorie intake and allowing for you to eat carbs because it is sustainable. Someone who eats a keto diet, say they go traveling for you know a week somewhere, how likely is it that they're going to be able to stick to their keto diet while maybe going overseas or just maybe like staying at a beach house with their family? It's like, it's not the most sustainable way. And although there are a lot of like keto options out there, you can still eat lower carb at certain meals, but it doesn't mean that you have to eat low to no carb all the time. All the time. And that brings me back to another problem with the keto, which circles back to you talking about the fiber and the sugars. When you're eating something that is so low in carbohydrate, your fiber intake is going to be low. Now, fiber takes many forms, okay? there's a, I'm not going to go into all the different types of fiber, but fiber is only found in those carbohydrate-containing foods. And so it basically is the non-digestible matter that is in the food, it's in the structure of those carbohydrate foods. And it actually helps with digestion. It actually helps to rid your body of the digestive waste products. And so it's a very, very important factor within the macronutrient of carbohydrates. Sugars, any food that contains a carbohydrate will also contain sugar. And there are many types of sugars. But what we look for when we talk about sugars are those simple, non fibrous carbohydrates. And they come from different sources, natural sources, because sugar actually is a natural product, it comes from several different plants, but like sugar cane, you know, it's a specific plant, but it is highly processed. So when you consume it, it 
is digested so readily with not many more nutrients in it than the calories. So like alcohol, it is a calorie contributor, but not as much nutrition, except for energy. And so we do encourage you to look for foods that may not be as high in sugar if it's processed. You know, so if it's one of those foods that like a cookie you think of, it's got a lot of sugar, you can look at the ingredient list and sugar is usually pretty high up on there. So that might be a food that if you're just watching your overall sugar intake, you might say, you know what, I'm not going to have that cookie because if I need carbohydrates, but you know what, I'm going to get a little bit more bang for my buck from, you know, a multigrain bread that I'm going to get some good B vitamins and some other nutrients from. But also there are foods naturally that contain a lot more natural sugar, such as fruits. And why do you think fruits taste sweet? And it's because of the sugar. And we need some of that sugar for, like I say, it's the spark for our brain. It's the spark for getting up and doing an activity. You know, you decide that, oh gosh, you know, the garbage man's here and you got to run pull your garbage cans way out to the street real fast, you're going to need that carbohydrate right there in your bloodstream and in your muscles to fuel your body to do the activity. So they are essential. They are needed. But the fiber, we always give our clients, I've always given my clients a fiber goal. And that is just to help, I call it like the rudder on a boat kind of keeps you steering in the right direction. Because if, you know, we're looking at one food versus another food, one may have lower sugar and higher fiber. And then from another food, that might be the thing that if we're trying to work on getting a little more fiber, we might pick that food over another. So we use it as kind of a balancing rudder with the fibers and the sugars. Yeah, I like that analogy. I was also going to say that a lot of times when we give our clients or when Jules writes up the nutrition and she gives our clients their macronutrient breakdown and their fiber goal, we often don't tell them not to worry too much about their sugar intake if they're hitting their macros plus hitting their fiber goal because it's very difficult to hit your macros and your fiber goal if you're having too much sugar. So naturally, the sugar kind of watches itself once you have, yeah, once you have figured out a way to hit your macros and hit your fiber goal, the sugar, you know, maybe you end up with 50, 60 grams a day, but you're still hitting, you know, 28 or 30 grams of fiber in all your macros every day. It's like you're doing great. (laughs) That's right. And it's also relative. You know, I have worked with several endurance runners and they need to have more sugar at various times because they need for their training to be able to get quicker sources of energy. So there's good times and places and post-workout, you know, you've had a very rigorous workout. Sometimes it's good to have something of a little simpler carbohydrate to help to restore the energy that you put out, you know, and again, it all comes down to like, where are you and your goals, you know, and that's like somebody says, Oh, I eat 300, you know, carbs a day. And somebody says, I only can eat hundred grams of carbs. Your goals are different. You're different people, you know? So there's a lot of variances We also have clients that come and either work with Jules or they work with Karen, our registered dietitian on staff, who have diabetes or they have other health ailments or just needs that maybe require them to not consume too much fiber or consume that proper, you know, sugar to carbohydrate ratio. And I have had clients that they have, you know, had stomach issues in the past where they do have to watch how much fiber they're getting or else it can irritate their digestive system. So if you're somebody who is seriously struggling with, 
you know, something like digestive issues, check out what your fiber or sugar intake is and maybe make adjustments there or, you know, see a doctor and say, hey, this is what happens when I, you know, eat this much fiber or not enough and what are your recommendations? Sometimes doctors don't know everything about the nutritional aspects, but they could help uncover something deeper that's going on. Exactly. And again, how are you going to know how much fiber you take in unless you track what you're eating. And here comes the wonderful apps where they've got these little scanning devices. You can scan the label and say, I had one slice of that bread, or I had, you know, I had a half an ounce of that cereal or whatever. And right there it goes in and you can look at the end of the day and say, oh, look, you know what? I was having some excessive rumbles in my stomach and I felt very, like people will say they felt bloated. Oh gosh, I had 55 grams of fiber. When I normally yeah. only eat 28, well, maybe, right. <laughs> you yeah. know. And that's why the tracking of the macros is so great because you get to know your body so well. And most of our clients, the first, you know, couple weeks, sometimes they're like, oh, you know, this is a lot more food than I've ever eaten or this is the case. But after a couple weeks of consistency, they say, wow, I feel great. And so feeling good internally is really it depends on how you treat your body. What do you put inside of that body? And so if you are struggling with feeling lethargic or feeling full all the time or you know, having irregular bathroom trips, those are all things that can be manipulated or altered or fixed just simply by the foods that you're eating. And so not only will you start to feel good and feel better, you'll also be able to make strides towards your physique. And so I feel like that is going to be our next podcast. It's going to be a little bit more of how to manipulate the macronutrients in order to see those bigger changes in your physique a little step further than just a calorie deficit or a calorie surplus. Oh gosh, now I can't wait to do our next podcast. <laughs> I know. It's yeah. So Jules, do you think we summed that up? I, I think we Well, I do want to just sort of wrap up a little bit because I have sure. seen on social media, you know, trends. And like I said, you know, all these trends were going on 30, 40 years ago. It's just that it took a little more time for people to be aware of it. So we'd see, you know, I was actually thinking about this morning, like when was the last time I actually picked up a magazine and read it when, you know, 15, 20 years ago, that's really how a lot of people got their information, you know, from magazines, from newspapers, from TV shows, because we didn't have this communication on social media, but how everybody was embracing the macros and really understanding for a period of time. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like lots of people were like, I'm so tired of tracking macros. I don't want to live tied to my tracker. And it's like, that's just how you perceive it. And if it's bothering you and it's becoming obsessive, then step away. If all you're thinking about is food and writing it down and what are you going to have next? Well, I think that goes into a little bit more issue that you should address. I'd love to talk about the psychological aspects of the tracking of the macros. But this whole podcast episode that we just covered is about the tool. tool. And so- yes. Respect the tool. Yeah, respect the tool and understand that it's a learning tool and it's not necessarily something that you will use every single day for the rest of your life. But I do think that everybody should have a little bit of knowledge on how to do it, how to read a nutrition label, how to understand portion sizes, how to create sustainable meals throughout the day in order to have great energy levels and to still reach your physique goals. And so while 
if you're somebody completely new to tracking macros, it's a great place to start to understand all that. And then once you kind of get the hang of it, you'll be able to take that, put it in your back pocket and pull it out when you need it again. But it is, it is a tool. It is a teaching method to help you understand the types of foods and the amounts of foods that make your body run the most efficiently. And when you step outside of that and you have all that knowledge, you can live a very happy life, maintaining a physique or even making changes to a physique that you love and that you're comfortable in just because you spent you know, that little bit of time tracking your food, that little bit of time weighing and measuring your food. So there's so much more that does go into this and the weighing and measuring of the food, understanding grams of weight versus grams of actual like carbs, protein, or fat that you're getting. That's a whole, that's a whole nother story. But I do think that you summed it up well, that, you know, the point is to become educated. That's the first step. Become aware. That's another step. And then take action and work towards making the changes that you feel that you need and that you want. Absolutely. So yeah, please leave us a rating on iTunes and uh, you can reach out to us at bestfitbody at gmail.com if you have any questions or check out our website, bestfitbody.com or find us on Instagram. All those links will be in the description box, but we would love a rating and a review on iTunes to keep us going with this podcast and any other topics that you guys are interested in, please let us know. So thank you, Jules. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye, everybody.